Psalm 119. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous ordinances, I will observe your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Would you listen for the word of God, for the people of God? Thanks be to God. There was a time at the beginning of the last century, 1910, 1920, uh, there were Renaissance people. Uh, We live in a world of specialization. You know, we have all the specialists that do just the one thing in the hospitals. But the, there was a time, you know, where a physician just did everything. Uh, they were called generalists, generalists. Um, one such generalist was the theologian, organist, humanitarian, physician, missionary, Albert Schweitzer. Um, Albert Schweitzer, as a, as a young man, was very uh, impacted by the ministry of Jesus and the way of his faith as a follower of Christ in the uh, then Reformed Church of the Lutheran bent of the uh, church, but he was in Paris. Anyway, it was kind of complicated. He got turned on to this uh, very, very serious approach to the way of following Jesus that differed from some of the people in France. He became frustrated because he had a call to be a missionary, he believed, and became frustrated in his application to the Society of Evangelist Missionaries in Paris because as he wrote his application, they became concerned that some of his theological ideas did not align with their own. And so they denied his application to be a missionary in the Society of Evangelistic Missions in Paris. Um, but he had a real sense that God had called him to this, so he couldn't believe that he could just be turned down by an application that was denied over theological differences and wording. And so he decided that he was going to go to medical school. I don't get that. I would never do that. So he decided, I'm, I'm going to go to medical school. So rather than spend, as he wrote later, said, rather than spend my efforts in theological debate, and constructive wording or uh, doctrinal differences, he went to medical school and he became a physician and he reapplied to the Society of Evangelists Missions in Paris and he was accepted and given a post in Gabon, Africa where he built his famous hospital. Now, Albert Schweitzer was a follower of Jesus who in his life and his walk became committed to being a doer of the gospel. Rather than preaching or teaching as a theologian or being a minister, 
he believed that Jesus had called him to be a doer of the gospel. And in his theological world, one of the things that, 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 that Reformed tradition was really big on was the second coming of Jesus, which uh, some of the Roman Catholic, uh, they don't preach a lot about that, but that was a big thing in his time. And he truly believed that in the return of Jesus Christ is the salvation of the world. When Jesus comes, all will be set right. And so he, was, he believed that Jesus' return was the only salvation that the world was ever going to actually realize, but that until that day, our striving for the kingdom of God and the salvation that Jesus will bring is the only way to bliss or happiness or wholeness or completeness or joy, are all the things that we strive for and long for. So while he believed it was never going to be realized till Jesus did it himself, nonetheless, he discovered that his bliss as being a follower of Jesus only came when he was working for it with everything he had. It's an idea that I think is summed up by saying, God made you, and God made you to be whole and holy, and happy, and joyful, and giving, and healthy. This is the creature God made you to be. It's achieved, all these things that we long for and that we want are achieved in a strange way. These happiness, as the psalmist calls it, is only found when we give ourselves back to the one who made us. See, interesting thing about human beings, we're, we're, we're temporal and spiritual beings. There's that spark of divinity that God made us in God's image, and, and yet God gave us this freedom to go and find our own way and discover who it is we are. And one of the things that followers of Christ have found through the years is that we are frustrated in all our attempts to find bliss or happiness until we discover to whom we belong. And we reacquaint ourselves with our maker in the image in which we are made. To give ourselves to God is happiness. That our greatest bliss comes when we rediscover to whom we belong and why we're here. Now Friday was Valentine's Day. A lot of people know this, but they, they kind of they forget it because it gets lost in all our human ideas of what romantic love is. But really, the love of God is, to, is pursued by so many people. I think Valentine's Day can teach us a few things because Valentine's Day is all about people telling each other, I belong to you and you belong to me. Be mine. I mean, look, if you're here with someone with whom you're romantic, just say, look at him, be mine. What does it feel like to say that to somebody, be mine? Now, there's a big difference, though, to turn to somebody with those puppy eyes and say, be mine, and to turn them and say, be mine. Now, in our world today, there is a lot of people who believe that religion and God is this God of be mine. Right? And they rebel against it. They're, oh my gosh, I don't want to be a part of that. Who wants to be in love with somebody like that? 
You see, love and fidelity are celebrated on Valentine's Day, not as an oppressive rule that forces people to stay together or else, but as this discovery of happiness in giving yourself away. This idea that that to discover the joy of belonging to someone else and giving yourself to them and them giving themselves to you is this bliss that is so pursued after by so many people. Well, guess what? Here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not only found in romantic love on Valentine's Day. There are other ways, I would say, that are even more significant because it's been shared with people who don't have a special someone sometimes. The psalmist believed this about love. The psalmist encourages the readers to give themselves to the law, the ordinances, the commandments of God. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his way. The psalmist is in love with God's words, God's ordinances, God's rules, God's laws, God's decrees. He goes on and on and on about how happy it is to know these things. Happiness comes in learning them, he says. And then he says, and in walking in them. He says both. Learning them and walking in them. To learn them, the psalmist used the same rabbinical technique and model of teaching that Jesus did with the Beatitudes. Blessed are, happy are, uh, you know, it, it's kind of this, this rabbinical technique. It was very effective, but one of the most effective things about that technique, um, we don't know today because we don't live in that time, but before we had cell phones and encyclopedias, if you remember those, or even microfish to remember everything for us, we used memorization. This technique, happy are, blessed are, is a teaching model that helps people to memorize, and the psalmist said, happy are those who learn with their whole heart the laws and ordinances of God. How many, do you remember how happy you were? The day you learned your ABCs. I mean, I was, I mean, Bill Clark was like one and a half when he learned them, but they're not, you know, most of us were like three, four years old, right? We learned our ABCs. We learned them by the song. You know, let's say A, B, C, D, E, F, G, help me, E, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, D, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Now, mm. yeah, what, yeah, what you think? But there's a great bliss in realizing, oh, I know them. Happy are those who know the ordinances, who know the alphabet. And the psalmist used this technique to teach people the way. Each stanza in this psalm begins with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, beginning with afed and ending with taz, A to Z. It's a song whereby the people learn the laws and the ordinances because in knowing them, there is happiness. Now the thing about the ABCs is the happiness doesn't just end when you learn your ABCs. The happiness compounds. 
when you read your first book, your first novel, that touches your heart and sets your mind and your, in your life going in all kinds of different directions. This joy of learning something, and there's happiness, and just knowing the ABCs, just knowing the Ten Commandments, just knowing the laws of God, but then in a way they launch you into a life that grows and grows and grows. So we can learn our ABCs, that we may then learn the ways of God, happy in following them. You see, the psalmist also stresses this learning them, but then walking in the way, walking in them. How we experience blessedness or happiness is not just knowing the ABCs, but in then reading a book. And not just not knowing the law of God, the word of God, but in walking in that way, doing the word of God. So we live in a society where we love to take polls, right? And social scientists decide that we're going to know the best things that we need to know by knowing what, every other, what everybody else does, right? So social scientist surveys in America find that uh, there's, there's, they, they, they do happiness polls. And who's the most happy people in America? So most recently, the University of Chicago said, the most happy people in America are religious Conservative women are polled as the most happy. Now, I thought that was kind of interesting because I'm, I'm not sure that it's all about being a woman or being religious or being conservative. I get it how all those three things may, uh, you know, that there's a relationship with them. But as I thought about it, I think that demographic has something that, that, that points to the truth of this blissfulness or happiness, this demographic tends to be a people who, who've got a pretty ordered life and have some time, and these are the folks that mm, sing in the choir. Now, at the 830 service, we have an all-female choir, so when I, I, I looked at them and said, so here's the happy people, right? The, they, they, they've got the time and the commitment to go to choir rehearsal and be with each other and talk and sing and worship every Sunday. That's who they are. Now, that's not a group of conservative women in that, i got to tell you. These are also the people who send us, tend to serve on committees and be in the leadership in the church and, and in the community. They, 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 they volunteer at the hospital. They're in the public schools. They, they work in charities. They're in community organizations. They do attend worship. They often go to Bible studies and pray. They participate in small groups. They are doers. If you want to get something done, ask the United Methodist women. I mean, no amens. No United Methodist women. You know what I'm talking about. If you want to get it done, the United Methodist women get it done. But I also believe that this idea of that demographic is not about the demographic itself. It's about that demographic tends to be people who do. In this congregation... I've observed uh, this demographic being much broader than just women or conservatives. I, I see men and women, liberals and conservatives, young and old, all finding some sense of bliss and contentment and meaning in the service of others and being doers of the word. Not just women, not just conservatives, but young and old and all. Ask yourself, when have you found the most bliss or happiness or contentment in church? 
And I got to tell you, last year when we did Rise Against Hunger, you remember that? That's the thing where we all go downstairs. You know, the youngest one was two, the oldest one was 92, and we packed food, and it was, they have this whole system where the, everybody's running. What, what fun that was. Four hours goes away like that. The people you talk to in this church who have a sense of meaning and purpose, happiness, they, they, they go on ASP every year. They'll tell you all about it, sometimes more than you want to. But they'll talk about it. They serve in the soup kitchens on Monday. Great group of people. They go to choir rehearsals. These are the folks who, who do trunk or treat. Now, here's, here's an interesting thing about this idea that happiness comes in being doers is that when you do trunk or treat, everybody comes, parking lot, food, candy, all that. It's fun. But you know who has the most fun? The most happy people there are not the ones that just go and go collect candy from trunk to trunk. It's the one who made the trunks, whose creativity was put into it, whose time, and they showed up, and they backed up, and they got the candy, and they opened the trunk, and they did all these really fun stuff. They're having a ball, okay? There's this great happiness in the one, the doers. Even I, Everybody likes getting candy, but that's where I see the happiness in the doing. As in the words of James, be doers of the word, not hearers only, and the psalmist says, you will find happiness. Remembering that Albert Schweitzer, however, was before he became a missionary and a doer, he was a Bible scholar. He was an organist, an accomplished organist. All that's involved with that, just think about it. He was a theologian before he became a missionary. His knowledge of the scriptures, his commitment to worship, his devotion to Jesus came before this amazing life of service and giving and healing. That's where it came from. Psalmist says, happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the Lord, who seek and keep his ordinances, his commandments and his law, and know them by heart. Now, a lot of people... For uh, my generation, there's a big emphasis in this country about memorizing Scripture. Anybody know Christians who are all about memorizing Scripture? That, that's not as big as it, as it used to be. But that was that idea that by memorizing it, you knew it the way you knew your ABCs. And something about that was, I believe, the core in finding happiness. By knowing them and then doing them. Now, for many of you church people, you're here today. You, you, you kind of already know this. You've discovered it. And the joy that comes in being a doer of the word. But I guess what I would share with you is I'm not sure that that's something that's generally known in our culture today. Church people make up a smaller and smaller percentage. So while you may know this and you have an idea of this, the truth is that's kind of a odd idea kind of strange if you were to say to people oh you'll be happy if you just do that seeking happiness seeking happiness the way our culture says is some has some more to do with consumption than it does with giving if i just get the right car i'll be happy if i just order the right thing on amazon it'll come to my doorstep and i'll be happy if i can just hit the right restaurant get the right you know uh, diet, cola, uh, go, you know, we, we are a consumption, 
culture, that, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not busting on our culture or anything like that, but I do think it's a subliminal message in our culture that if you just get the right thing, acquire the right thing, buy the right house, that you will be happy. That's a lie. Uh, yeah. The good news of the gospel is that's not how you're happy. You discover happiness by giving yourself away. Amazon and Grubhub and social media is not going to get you there. If that's all you know, then you're never going to learn the ways of the Lord. You haven't dedicated yourself to learning the alphabet, so how are you going to read a novel and discover whose image you were made in, who you belong to, and who calls you into service? Not be mine, but be mine. That happiness is not gained by throwing off the shackles of your parents or your church or your institution or whatever you're a member of that you feel like is requiring things from you. But in, in freedom, God has given us this ability to seek our happiness not by acquiring things, but discovering how to give ourselves to something or someone that is bigger than us, giving yourself away to the one who made you. Lastly, I think this idea of happiness, way too, way too much talked about, but the happiness that is discovered in the way of God, the love of God, is a journey that grows gets better and better the older and wiser you get, I think. <clears throat> you learn your ABCs, you're happy. You learn how to read, you're happier. You read a great book, you're ha and it grows into your life. I think that, that this way of following Christ by being uh, happy and learning the, the story of the gospel and learning the scriptures and the Ten Commandments that turns into a way of following them and doing them and discovering how happiness comes in serving others and not yourself, and putting God first and others first and not yourself. We discover it. You see it all the time. This Pacham, you know, there's a great opportunity right out here in the sign-up sheet for Pacham, right? Now, this is not, oh, my God, you guys better sign up for Pacham. It's, oh, my gosh, you guys have a blessing coming. Here, signed up for Pacham, know it's a blessing? Blessing? Would you, right, okay. There's even a further blessing or happiness in following Christ. It goes beyond just discovering yourself the blessedness of signing up for Pacham. It's when you invite someone else to sign up. Now, there are people here who signed up for Pacham. I know you, thank you, it's going to be great, you're going to be blessed. I think Christ would say, you know something? You might have a friend or a neighbor, doesn't go to church, isn't really involved in impact or all the other, they're, they're not out there. In the, but you could invite someone to come with you that night that you serve in Pacham. Just say, come with me. You don't have to say a thing about God or Jesus or the church. You get the joy, the happiness that comes in helping someone discover what it means to give yourself away, to belong in love and service to God and to others. Amen.